The scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. God bless his word this morning. I wanted to thank the choir for all the beautiful singing, the children's church directors for getting this together, and all the parents and grandparents who brought the kids to do the performance. Thank you very much for doing that. And ultimately, thank you to the kids for putting on a very good show. And that's got to be hard for most children to stand in front of people and sing or say something. But thank all of you for that. And also thank you for the present you gave all of us and also to me and Amy. That was much appreciated. Um, Larry Reich, if you're out there listening on Facebook, I just want you to know that I didn't lie to you. I was right over there in the choir (laughs) and I sang. And you might not have heard me and you should give God praise for that. But I sang right with them. But Christmas does bring me great joy and happiness. But you know, a lot of people... They just can't come to grips with the Christmas season. Life has slapped them right in the face, and it's hurt them deeply. No matter how hard they try, no matter what they do, they just can't seem to overcome the hurt and pain in their heart to say, I love Christmas and what it's all about. This ultimately leads them to really despise humanity and not want to be around human beings at all, which that leads to not believing in God. i Understand that. Could probably stand with him sometimes, even as a believer. I question him. Do you really exist? If God is real and he's alive and we believe that he controls everything, that he's good, that he's loving, and that he's kind, people ask two questions. Well, if you are all loving, good, and kind, why don't you move this for me? Why don't you just do away with this? If you are good, loving, and kind, why don't you heal my broken heart? Why do I have to go through this pain? You could have stopped it at any time. But you, in your infinite wisdom and your perfect love for all of us, you said no to me. That's a hard road, man, to travel. Well, this is what happened in the 1968 movie, The Little Drummer Boy. Little dude's name was Aaron. He was left as an orphan. Bandits had robbed his house, took away his mom and dad, and took away their home and everything. And he was really mad. So he was an orphan, and he goes out to the desert with three animals, a camel, a donkey, and a lamb. And he has a drum that he plays for these animals. And when he plays the drum, the animals dance, and they sing, and all that kind of stuff. And this guy named Ben comes along, who's a circus director. He captures Aaron and the animals and says, you are going to come and you are going to serve me so that I can be rich. And if you do this, little drummer boy, I'm going to set you free. Aaron, wanting to get out of the situation, agreed to go with him and do this. And as he played for the people, he saw them laugh and carry on. And he got really mad and he stopped playing his drum and he says, how can you people be so happy? Don't you know what you've done to me and my family? I hate all of you. I want nothing to do with you. And the crowd began to come after him 
and Ben, and they flew back to the desert, and Ben says to the little drummer boy, you're really going to pay for this now. But often the thing, he sees the Magi. And Ben, wanting to make a dollar, says, over there's some rich dudes. Let's go over there and play for those guys. They certainly want to hear you play. Aaron didn't want to do it. But in order to get out of the situation, he agrees to go. The Magi do away with them, say, get away from us. We, have, we don't got no time for you. And as they get ready to go to Bethlehem, because they had saw the star, one of their camels got sick and couldn't carry on the journey. Ben got word of it, says, oh my gosh, here's a chance for me to make a dollar. Ben goes running back and says, I have a camel here for you. He sells the guys a camel, and Ben gets his pot of gold. And Aaron is hurting in pain. Can't understand what's going on. So they go off back to Bethlehem. The Magi go with their friend that the Aaron had. And Aaron says, I got to go back and find my friend the camel. So he takes the other two and he says, well, how are we going to find him? And they remembered the Magi said, we follow this star. We got to go where this star is taking us. And Aaron says, that's right. I will go find the star where my uh, camel's at in Bethlehem. I'll find the camel and we'll get him out of this mess. So he goes to Bethlehem with the donkey and the lamb. They see the camel over there uh, with the Magi. Aaron and the two animals, they begin to run. And a Roman soldier in a chariot, boom, hits the lamb. Aaron bends down and he picks up the lamb at the point of death. He says, who's going to help me now? He says, I'll go talk to that magi, the great king. He knows everything. He brings the lamb to the magi, to the king. And he says, can you help me with this? My lamb's about to die. The magi touches the lamb and says, can't do nothing for you, young man. He says, but there is a king. There is a Lord. There is a master. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He will hear your prayer. Just go to him and pray to him. And Aaron says to the magi, I have no gift to bring to this king. What could I possibly lay down to this king? The magi says, go to him. Aaron goes and he bows before Emmanuel, God with us, and he pours out his heart and he pours out his soul and he gets up and he walks back and he's a changed man. Then I was here. Bump, 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 bump. He begins to play his drum. And in the song, the little drummer boy, he says, I have no gift to bring to set before a king. So what am I going to do? I'm going to play my drum for you. Yeah. He says, I'm going to play my best for you because I got nothing to give to you. He comes back out. The lamb is made whole. And the Magi says, see, all we require is an open and broken heart. And this king will hear you. And this king will answer your prayer. He says, I can't do nothing for you. But that king can. And at the end of the story, the narrator talks about the goodness of Jesus, that God had loved mankind, that he'd come down to save man and to redeem man and to give man peace. This is what not the angel said. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But the peace that he was talking about was peace with God. Ultimately, every man's struggle is with God. He may hate mankind, not want to be around mankind, but he struggles with his relationship to God. 
And God has always wanted relationship with man, even in the garden. Adam the knucklehead messed up. It said it's better that I go eat this fruit than obey the law of God. Adam sins against God. He's kicked out of the garden. God gives man conscience and will and desire to follow and serve him and know him. Man chooses not to do that. He chooses to go his own way. God gives him law and commands and prophets and kings and priests. And man could not follow the law because his heart was so wicked and so evil against God. And God says, none of this is working. I will go down myself and I will do for man what he can't do for himself. You and I can never just work, work, work and accept Jesus Christ. He freely gives it. He freely gives it with the babe lying in a manger. The star shines over him. And everyone who comes to him and worships him and honors him, he heals their heart. He changes their lives and he moves them. And that's the kind of peace God is talking about. Peace with him. The peace between God and man. He done it. And thus there's goodwill toward all men. Because the babe born in the manger. But I want you to know something about this story. In order for Aaron and Ben to know about the star, to know about the babe born, there had to be a mediator. There had to be somebody tell them about the babe. So Ben and Aaron, they come to the Magi. And they said, what are you guys doing out here? And the Magi says, we're following this star. Ben could have cared less about the star. All he wanted was the money. He was greedy. And the Magi gave him what he wanted. He wanted money and he left. Aaron, he just wanted to be out of the situation. Whatever got him away from humanity, that's what he wanted. But Aaron listened to the Magi. And even though he followed the wrong reasons, he still followed the star. And when he got to the star and met the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, his life was changed forever. There has to be a mediator of peace to lead one to the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I will never choose on our own. Today, I'm going to get saved. Today, my heart is going to be made right. It don't work like that. There has to be somebody tell you about his love and tell you about his goodness. And to be honest with you, to say, I can't fix your troubles. But I can lead you to the one who can. That's what the Magi said. I can't fix your little lamb, little boy. I can't change your whole life, but I can lead you to the one who can, and he will touch your heart, and he will bring you peace. When I think about Heifer International, God could not have picked a better dude than Mr. West. Why? He was brethren. Brethren is all about peace, love, and joy. Brethren wants to make peace everywhere it goes. And Mr. West, when he did have for international to send that cow to help people, when he done what he did, he wanted to be an agent of peace. He couldn't change the fact that maybe somebody was an orphan. They lost a mom or a dad or their house was destroyed. He couldn't change that. He couldn't necessarily fix that. He couldn't give them a job and do all the things. But what he done was he served as an intercessor. And he said, I become, I come to you on behalf of another who is the king of kings and lord of lords. And I want to share with you what he's done in my life. And what he can do in your life. And that ministry bloomed and blossomed 
21 countries all over the world that they minister to, that people's lives are changed because one man says, I will be a mediator. I will stand in the gap. And I will offer peace to those who need it. I will lead him to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I can't make him worship him. I can't make him serve him. I can't make him follow him. But I can be a witness and example to them that there is a God. There is a king. He reigns in the heaven and he came to the earth and he rules in my heart. Heifer International does a wonderful job being agents of peace for the glory of God. But you too, church, serve as agents of peace. They have to have money to do what they do. They have to have people praying for them, people behind them and supporting them. And you do that as a congregation. You serve as an agent of peace to them by your giving because you empower them to do the work that God wants them to do. You become his representatives on the earth. And you should be happy and glad that God uses us in such a manner that we could be agents of peace. Which brings me to the scripture this morning in 2 Corinthians 13. If you'd put the NIV version up there, uh, even though I'm not an NIV guy, I'm King James only, just so you know that. Some of the wording may fit just a skosh better. But Paul has ripped the Corinthians up. He's lit them a new one, man. He's jumped all over them for two books of the Bible. They had two sins in their midst, immorality and division in the congregation. People just going off and having sex with whoever they wanted to, doing what they want. He said, that's a no-no in the church of God. People were bickering and fighting with each other. I belong to Paul. I belong to Paulus. I belong to this church. I belong to that church. And Paul says, that's just crazy. We all belong to Christ. So he lights them up and he says, you are a believer and you are the body of Christ and God works in your midst. How can you do such things? How does he have the audacity to tell them, first of all, to rejoice? Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Come on, man, you done got on me now for two whole books, told me how wrong I'm doing, how bad I am. Why are you telling me to rejoice and be happy? He's going to explain to this when we get to the end of the verse, but he does tell them to rejoice because he knows that God has worked in their midst. He knows that God has saved their souls. He knows that God has changed their lives, and he knows it by what they were doing. He says, you got all the gifts, don't you? You know how to speak in tongues, interpret tongues. You know, you got wisdom, you got knowledge, you got all these great things, and you should rejoice in that. You should rejoice in the fact that God has changed your life and you've been baptized in the water. You should rejoice in that. You should rejoice in 2 Corinthians 5 17. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature, old things have passed away. So he says to them, Rejoice. Finally, brothers, rejoice, because God is with you. And then he lays it out for him. He says to be perfect. Meaning, clean up where you're sinning. Cleaning up, man. Get your act together. You are the people of God. You are the called of God. God is, wants to use you. God wants to touch you. So be perfect in these two areas. In morality and division. He says, get your act together. Be perfect. And when you set things straight, he says, be of good comfort. Now, most people in my tradition as Pentecostal. When they get saved, they never go back to the life before. They, they're just done with it. And there are some things that are easy to give up. 
You know, there's some things you can give up. There's some things you struggle with throughout your Christian walk. And you have to constantly be in prayer, in Bible, in the church, around believers to help you grow. There are some things you really struggle with. But one of the worst things you struggle with is division. Nobody wants to say, I'm sorry to somebody else. Not in marriage, not in relationships, and not in the house of God. Why do you think churches split? No one will say, I will be submissive to you. I will do what you ask. I'd rather be the kingpin here. I'd rather say, I'm right and you're wrong. Very few people will say, I'm wrong and I'm going to submit to where you want to go. That is hard for anybody to do, whether you're saved or not saved. But Paul says, take comfort. Rejoice in the fact you are following the will of God. You can't change the other person. They're going to be who they want to be, how they want to be, and what they want to be. But he says, you take comfort in that you are doing the right thing. You are following him. You are serving him. And you are loving him. He says, take comfort that you're doing the right thing. He says, be of one mind. Don't be fighting like I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Be in one mind in your Christianity. Be in one mind of who you are as a body of believers. Move in the same direction. Follow him, serve him, and love him. He says to live in peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. As much as in you is, live in peace with all men. Men cannot be the fighting and bickering. So when he says, finally, brethren, rejoice, this is why he says rejoice. He says, if you do these things, the God of love and peace shall be with you. I find that interesting. Not love and peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are all manifestations that anybody can love, can we not? Whether you're a believer or not, anybody can love. Anybody can give. Everybody has a story. We all have the same thing. But he didn't say the fruit of the Spirit would be with you or the gifts of the Spirit. But he said rejoice in this. The God who gives these gifts will be with you. God is with us individually, is he not? That he saved our souls and that he changed our lives. So he is with us. He leads us and he guides us and he directs us. But it's not just individually God wants to be with us. He wants to be with us in the sanctuary, in the body of Christ. He wants his presence in the church, in the house of God with his people. And this is what Paul's talking about. He says you are the called out body of Christ. And even though you have these manifestations and even though you're doing all these great things does not mean that God is with you. Do we not want God present Every Sunday morning when we come into the house of God, do we not want him to touch our hearts and touch our souls and change our lives? Do we not want his presence in Sunday school when we're learning the ways of God and the call of God? Do we not want him in our midst? Paul says rejoice. Do these things and this God will be with you. Ultimately, church, you and I, as a body of Christ, we are his peacemakers. We are all called to be fishers of men. 
to tell others that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the king, he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He died and he rose again. You can't make them do the right thing. You can only lead them and guide them there and live the life the best you can in your own spirituality of who you are. When people outside say the church is a bunch of hypocrites, yeah, we are. If we're fighting and bickering and arguing, we're not the people of God. If we're living the wrong way, not doing what he asked, not following him, not serving him, we're not the people of God and he won't be with us. But Paul says, rejoice because he is with you. I would say to you this morning, take heart with us, Andrew Church brethren. God is with you. He saved your soul, right? He changed your life. Now, he's no longer here on the earth, per se, but does he not dwell in your hearts through the Holy Spirit? Don't the Holy Spirit confirm in you what he's done in your life, how he's changed you? So he gave you salvation. He gave you his spirit by putting it within your heart, by leading you and guiding you and directing you. And then he gave you the church. This congregation, you as brothers and sisters in Christ, he has brought us together to serve him, to worship him, to honor him, and to spread his peace as far as we can. But you and I have to consider the cost and count the cost. Rejoice that you're saved. Rejoice you're filled with the spirit of the living God. Rejoice you have a church to worship in. Whether this is your home church or not, wherever you go to church, man, when you get to that church, be thankful to God through the Lord Jesus Christ that he has touched you and he has blessed you and he has put people around you like-minded to be agents of his peace. What better day than today on the fourth Sunday of Advent to be people of peace and to talk about Heifer International and the goodness of the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. God bless each and every one of you. Let him reign in our hearts. Let him rule in our hearts. And let us be his people for his glory and his honor. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I know it was just a story, but I, I thank you for the story of the little drummer boy. Sometimes I feel like that. I have no gift to bring you. But whatever I have, I'm going to bring me my best for your glory and for your honor. And I thank you for Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, that he lived, he died, and he rose again to give us life and life more abundantly. I thank you for the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren and all the people a part of this congregation. Let us be agents of peace and lead others to the star of Bethlehem, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Tell us about the goodness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, that he can change every person's life. Let us be those people to share that story. Hear us now, Lord. I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.